Mike check one two one two back with season two. Season two. They didn't think we'd make it one. We made it yeah, two exactly. seasons. <laughs> Joined again this season by the monarch of melanin, as Black Thought would say. <laughs> I love it. Kevin Hansen. That should have been your your that, Instagram that, name. That should have been it. Monarch I'm, of melanin. Yeah. Uh, monarch of melanin. I miss that opportunity. Um Black Thought wins. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out he's smarter than us. Yeah, weird. shoot. Would have thought a dude who riffed for like 10 minutes freestyle. <laughs> off Could, the top of the head. Like off the top, like just cold. Dude's wild. <laughs> but here we are um, with a banger of a first episode. Yeah, we're, we're really jumping in with some light stuff. Hey? Yeah. We're yeah. really... Just so. getting the, getting the cobwebs the, out. Yeah, this is the fluff. We're just going to get into the fluff. Someone asked me, it was actually a while ago, I had to meditate on it for a while. But they asked me, what is the goal of athletic development in the long term? Like, how would I define what we try to do with athletes? Um, and so I had to sit back and think about this for a long time because that's, a, that's like asking a physicist what dark matter is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. well, <laughs> I don't know. Like, it would take some, some contemplating. For sure. Um, so basically what I was able to come back with, and we, but we kind of have to preface this with something. We have to understand that strength is going to be the base of everything that we do in terms of athletic development, right? Yep. Strength is our base. So if you're going to accept this definition of what athletic development is, then you have to accept that strength is the base. Um, and if you want to debate that, we can, but we're not going to do it here today because I've talked ad nauseum about this. Um, but basically what I was able to come up with was the idea that uh, the goal of athletic development is to find a harmonic balance between every type of strength, because that's the base of everything, uh, that is required at that point in the athlete's development to give to give them the best ch possible chance at success. As I try to read my own writing, <laughs> I write like a four-year-old. I read like a four-year-old. <laughs> it's a nightmare. That's why we don't do notes, folks. Right? Anyway, um, it's a, it, I think it's a pretty bang-on definition for what I try to do on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. Um, so basically what I want to get into you uh, or with you is the idea of the, that that last sentence where I said the best p possible chance at success because at the end yes. of the day as a coach that's all I can do is give the athlete the chance for success right yeah. it's up to the athlete where they take that so you being a former collegiate athlete you know athlete your whole life um, why don't you go ahead and start us off and let's let's talk about some things that affect that chance outside of assume your training is perfect because you're with yeah. me and everything is perfect yeah um, let's talk about outside what could affect that chance Okay, yeah. So I guess uh, I was a person who's seen people um, who have a lot of talent not succeed. I mean, I've probably played with a lot of players who were better than me at one point, but uh, weathering the storm, I, I played longer. Yeah. So now I guess um, you as a player yourself had football kind of come to an end early for you because of head injuries. So like what what kind of things other than like uh injury are you would you consider to be maybe the number one thing what, what's my number yeah, one your thing number that would affect that chance yeah. i think it's personal decisions i think it's your life choices yeah i think if we're talking like the high level athlete that didn't make it and was supposed to yeah it's almost inevitably because they made a bad decision yes you know what i mean um it, it that's you know, it's such a stupid thing to get caught up in because there are so many other things that could affect the chance. You know, we can talk diet, we can talk sleep, you know, we can talk how much on-field work you're doing versus in the gym work you're doing, and yep. right? And we all these really intricate things, but really what it comes down to a lot of the time is just kids or young men, young women making bad decisions. Yeah. 
which is just seems to be an epidemic in, the, in the culture of athletes. And the crazy days. part about that is it's literally the truth. The one thing that I've noticed the most that have made people's career end early or uh, they walk away because they're done with it, because nothing's working out their way and they planned it all to be spectacular, it's literally their choices. Um, I was in the gym um, as soon as our season ended, you know, maybe give it, give or take a, two weeks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, it, I had a knee that was torn up after one season and I was in the gym, give or take, uh, like, a, well not gym, let's say uh, physiotherapy, yeah. give or take a week. Uh, I w was supposed to have a knee brace for the rest of my career and there was no knee brace following the next season. Like, yeah. If you are not sitting down and thinking what I can do that's best for my, me as an athlete, as in not going to a party, not drinking at a party so you can be at a, in the gym in the morning. Yeah. Um, if you're not making these little decisions, all the little things add up. And if you walk away and go, you know, I should have went pro, but it was, odds are it's yourself. Yeah, yeah. You got someone to blame. but it's, it's like Everyone has someone to blame. Right. Yeah, I think it's just, it's it baffles me. It's never... And it's it's weird because I'm at I'll be 28 in June, so I I haven't had a drink in more than seven years. Yeah. So I don't really understand the appeal of alcohol anymore. It just doesn't, you know. It's not even difficult for me to turn down a drink when it's offered to me. It's yeah. just No, I'm not interested. And I feel like the jury is not out on what alcohol does to your body yeah. and to your athletic potential, especially the next day or the day after the next day. You know what I mean? So the choice to go out and and to drink and, and get drunk knowing that you have to train tomorrow like that's a that's a stupid decision yeah. in my mind that's a personal choice you made that will negatively affect your chance at success yep. and it's one of the you know things like that are the my biggest frustration as a coach yeah. because i put everything i have into programming into into building the gym into what it is into developing my knowledge you know i give my best energy every single day that I can, and these athletes, you know, not not necessarily my athletes that I have right now, but in yep. the past I've definitely dealt with these athletes, and we we all know these athletes yep. who want to go out and party till four in the morning, and then come in for a ten a.m. workout. You know, they still smell like booze, and they still, like to me, that's just one of the most disrespectful things. And that's yep. if we're talking about what's going to affect your chances more than anything, it's going to be shit like that. I agree. And the crazy part about usually that kind of mindset is that number one, they think that them showing up, even though they were drinking all night. Is them putting in more yeah, effort well, than committed. I showed up. Shut the fuck up. Right? Like, and um, so I feel like one major thing is your decisions. Take a look at your friends and everyone you hang out with. And if they can't be without you drinking on a Saturday, maybe they're not your friends. Yeah. You know, like I um, didn't have really, I had my first drink when I was like 18, 19. Yep. And that's legal here in Canada. Yep. So, like, I literally was at parties. There's no way I wasn't at a party during this period of time. But I wouldn't drink. They would go, hey, you want to drink? I'd be like, no. And they'd be like, come on, man, drink. I'd be like, no. And they'd be like, that's actually super cool. You don't drink. Like, that's literally what happens <laughs> if you say no three times instead of once. Yeah. <laughs> just try. Just, even just one more time. Like, just, like literally. break down the armor a little bit. Yeah. And then the next one will be like, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> and, and there's a respect that comes with not saying no. Like, they go, oh, come on, drink. Like, they think you drink. So when you say you don't, they don't believe you. So you reassure them that you do not. Yeah. And they will eventually say, that's actually super cool. Yeah. Like, it's never... 
it's never like, well, only people who don't ruin their livers are the worst. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it's, they understand that it, uh, drinking is, of course, you know, a weird feeling and maybe you enjoy it, but, like, it's not everything. Well, and it's just, like, the thing for me, too, is that it's not, it does nothing good for you in terms of your athleticism, in terms yeah. of your, your athletic ability. It has zero benefit. I get that it, like, it's, I guess it's fun if you're a fucking bum and you don't, you can't do anything with your life. I guess it's fun to get drunk and shit. I don't know, man. Get get a job or something. But, but like, the thing is, it does nothing good for you, so why do it? It's, like, to me, like, banging your head against a brick wall does nothing good for you. That's why I don't do it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's true. I I don't know. It just doesn't. I'm I'm very different, I guess. I live a pretty sheltered, introverted, quiet life, so yeah. I just don't understand the appeal of being around people in general. Yeah. Um, but to like go out and just get drunk and spend four hundred dollars at the bar and like I don't and it's, then and then it doesn't work out and you're like, Well, my coach was da 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 Oh yeah. Shut and the then fuck up. number one, you're like, I can't afford to go to the gym, I can't afford to train with a trainer, I can't Yeah. But like yeah. all these little things have effects. So like you can say that like sure we don't know the jury's out on what drinking does to your body but like when you're hung you don't go to the gym that affects you when you can't afford to get the best trainer in your town or hamlet or freaking city then it's because you are drinking like it's it's still that so take a look at what you're doing and Maybe make some better decisions. Yeah, just better life choices in general. Exactly. That'll be the biggest thing that affects your your chance at success. I think also some things... Do you have another one? No, I'm going to say number two. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go, number go two is the one thing that I found that also affects you a lot is ego. Ooh. Ego is probably the second biggest thing. I've had kids who have a super, a whole bunch of talent, and they come out to a practice, and the coach is like, man, hey, this is this guy. I got him from this team. He's really talented. We can't wait to have him here. And I literally, the kid comes out and he's like, you know, kind of a, looks like an athlete. Maybe like, obviously in Canada, he's not like maybe the tallest or longest human being, but he's super athletic. And sure enough, the first thing's out of her mouth is like this weird defensive, I was the best in this league and that league and I was the best in this and that. And all that's all they have to say is how good they were. Yeah. Like, and as soon as they can't live up to it, you, you, it's like they built up a wall, like a a pedestal to be on. And as soon as they couldn't climb to the top of it, they just quit. They're like, cool, I quit because I can't not be that thing that I told everyone I was. It's that that big fish, small pond syndrome. Exactly. And if if he would have, like, if these kids would have stuck with it, their athletic ability is there. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Like, you don't you don't make your way to this point without having the ability to play. Yeah. But as soon as you open your stupid mouth and start <laughs> bad-mouthing starters and guys to learn from and, you know, you name it, like how good you were and how good everything will be, and kids start looking out for you and giving you maybe a little extra hits yeah. in practice. Yeah. makes it a little tougher a little of a time of to have, back right? Now. And then all of a sudden they're like, everything's out against me, everything's against this it's it, it is, this ego is a huge killer of 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 careers and longevity of them. Absolutely, yeah. I'm gonna I want to play devil's advocate with that though, okay. because as much as I think ego is a problem and can be a problem, yep. 
I think confidence is super important. So I used to, when I worked with the O-line, we made, I made t-shirts mm-hmm. um, that for the whole O-line. And it said, on the front it said O-line pride. On the back it said, we're not cocky, it's well-spoken arrogance. <laughs> right? And I think that's kind of, that's, that's a quote I got from my junior high phys ed teacher, Mr. Levins. Um, but that's just sort of something I carried with me through life. Is yeah. Like you talked about, you don't want to be that, that, that guy or that girl that's like, I'm the best and nobody can touch me out here. Yep. But at the same time, there also shouldn't be a doubt in your mind that when you step on that field, yep. you're the best player. 100%. You know, I think the difference is, is that confidence is generally quiet. Yes. You know, ego is loud. Ego is very loud. And you that's know? what that was, I was going to say. I'm like, there's well-spoken arrogance yeah. where it's like, okay, yeah, I'll see you across that line. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I had a practice where um, we had this big uh, running back. His name was Dimitri Delicos. He came down and he hit our middle linebacker, boom, knocked him over. And he's like, he stares at our middle linebacker, gives him a little, you yeah. know, see uh, yeah. see out there. <laughs> and um, our middle linebacker's like, okay, like I see you. And then literally the last like few plays of the practice, they throw him out and he reads it and just blows Delicose <laughs> up. Just lights him up. And like that is the confidence you showed. He, he said, okay. I see you. I see your challenge. Yeah. Like, if it rattled him and he was like, I'm the best. How dare you hit me? You know who I am? You know where I've been? You know what I've done? Yeah. Like, that's that's the difference. That's, that's something that most athletes are going to respect more. I mean, we get we always get caught in this tunnel of football and we're, we just talk football. Yeah. It, this does, I think it applies to every sport. But we, we know football better than any other sport. So... Uh, but I, I remember on the field, like, if all you did when I'm playing, if all you did was come talk shit, man, I wasn't trying to hear none of it. Yeah. Right? But if you came out and someone talked shit to you, and you were like, okay, we'll see, and then you put that motherfucker on his ass, you know, now, oh, that's a bad motherfucker. Yeah. Like, you don't you don't want to fuck with that dude. Yeah. You and know? So, it's like, I feel like that has killed a lot of people's careers, because it really shows, like, the loud ego kind of shows, like a, like, a fear, and you're trying to cover it up with noise yeah um instead of uh like and that's not to say some of the best trash talkers aren't good but like it's like it's a it's this ego that seems to do everything from before not with now yeah and nor can it like it can't just show up and be like oh yeah i was really successful but i'm here to do something now yeah i think the like i think the great trash talkers like the chad johnson's and the, the terrell owens is yeah Owens is is I think they're like they they were trash talking, but it wasn't even I don't even think it was conscious in their head. I think that was just them making noise to cut out the noise around them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think they also played that mental chess game really well with DBs and, and stuff like that. But it's like again, we're it's not there there's a difference between ego and between what they did. Yeah. You know, and it's that's it's difficult to differentiate unless you've been in that situation, unless you've had a helmet on and talked to people on the field and it's hard to get a feel for how that conversation really goes, but general rule of thumb in my life has always been that the loudest one in the room is always the coward. Yeah, he's you know? always the scared and that's yeah. like just the scaredest person in the room. It's like there are the people who, like there's people who constantly talk and that's completely different than the person who's who's that loud, obnoxious, has to call out every little thing against yeah. and can't not let something roll off their back. Yeah. You know, it always has to be a fight. It always has to be a struggle. That person. And that guy always bombed out of the fucking meat in powerlifting. <laughs> for the record. <laughs> there we go. And every time I bombed out of the meat, it's because I had a lot of shit to say before the meat. <laughs> you know, I, was just, I was early in my career, I was way, way, way too 
arrogant okay. for for where I was at as a strength athlete. And I learned that shit the hard way, man. Yep. You know. Um, but yeah. So that's. I mean, and, and can you think of anything else um, as we talk about chances? The only other thing I can think of is uh, in the gym, not doing, not taking care of your mobility or yourself. Yeah, but we're working under the sore, assumption that you're training with me. That yeah, shit okay. Is so care I mean, of. if you're there, that's taken care of. Yeah. But like, that's the only, that's the only other thing. It's the guys who were like, ah, my back is sore, and then they just go about it. They train, yeah. they do everything. They, just, they wouldn't take care of themselves. Whether that be, I had a guy who who had a foot. His foot was like a giant freaking callus. I'm like, man, you should go get a pedicure. Oh man, that's insert derogatory term towards homosexuals right <laughs> like like you like if you get a pedicure they're gonna shave up that callus take care of your feet man right and you're gonna be able to go sure enough busted open this callus now every practice he's getting his foot wrapped up he's in pain constantly yeah. like I'm like man you should have got a pedicure should have got a pedicure <laughs> actually I just had that conversation with Wes the other day talking about kind of self care and uh Ever since he, he signed with the U of A two weeks ago, three weeks ago, which yeah. is awesome. Congrats to him. I'm yeah. super proud of him. Um, but he's one of his big reasons for signing with them was the unlimited access to the field that he would have so he could work on skill stuff, yep. which has nothing to do with me. He's alone when he does it because yep. um, I, I have nothing to offer him in that sense. Um, but the conversation we had was sort of, you know, like I think it's great that he gets on the field and does this work. You know, because he, he really is, man. He works all day, every day for his goals. Yep. Whether it's in the gym, on the field, in the kitchen, you know, sleeping or, or hustling at his at his job, you know, his day-to-day job, trying to make money to, to support his dream. Um, but he, now that he has this access to the field, it's it's hard to not have a three- or four-hour route running session every day. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's, I, I tell him, like, you, you know how much your engine can take. Right, only you know that. Yeah. But you have to do the maintenance around that. It can't be four hours of routes to get in the car and drive home. Yeah. You know, there's there's some there's some maintenance that's required around this. Hundred you know? percent. And I actually, I'm I'll just keep going. I had this conversation with my aunt too at Christmas dinner. Yeah. She had both both hips replaced, I think. Oof. Um, and then she now her shoulders are all messed up because she's carrying herself around with her upper body, right? Picking herself up, leaning on the counters, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and she's not. She's not like an in shape. She's seventy. You yeah. Know, she's getting old, and she's not in the best shape. So she's carrying herself around with her arms is, is strenuous all day. She's telling me about how she's in so much pain, and she can't uh, like it's, you can't do this. I'm not meant to be doing this. And I sort of, in a in a moment of clarity, I kind of lectured my seven year old aunt about it. <laughs> I'm like, no, auntie, like you. It's not optimal to walk around with your arms all day because your legs aren't working. But you can do it. You just have to do the maintenance around it. Yeah. And then she looked at me like I had two heads. Because I remember, like, I'm only used to talking to people in the gym. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? right if, we're, like... if we're like, that's the thing. I'm totally socially inept anywhere yeah. but the gym. I can't, I can't connect with humans and talk to them. And then I forget that I'm not in the gym. Yeah. So I'm like, you got to do the maintenance. You got to be smashing tissues and joint She's like, what the fuck are you talking about? She's like, is your head tattooed? It's been a while since we've seen each other. No, and that's really good because it's like. I don't think about that because I think like that too. Like I was thinking about it. I was at work today and like uh, it was all about like we have this competition. Got to get sales. I work at, you know, and it's I'm like okay, well, you know, if we're getting close to the end of it, and I'm like, yeah, like we have like this thing. We have to be at this one part of the store where you can't get sales, yeah. well, at least for like one hour, and people kind of skip out of it. And I'm like, I'm mad. Like I'm mad at like a teammate who isn't running. 
gassers and we have to run an extra gasser. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm just like I'm like get the fuck back to your fucking spot. And, like I'm I'm literally mad and like my manager comes over he's like are you okay? I'm like this isn't okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this motherfucker's not running. <laughs> like uh, I'm like you. So it's like I I'm in the same kind of place. Like I it, I have trouble speaking to people who don't even understand a semblance of their human body at all or an athletic anything yeah. or a mindset like that. It's hard like, to connect. It's I like I I tell Derek all the time too, even even though I'm not competitively powerlifting, I'm still training, you know, three times a week, four if on a good week. Um, it's, it's, a, it's an afterthought cause the business comes first, but yeah. I still train. I still, if I'm sitting around, I'm like, well, fuck, I may as well lift something. Yeah. You know? And it's something I've talked to Derek about where we're like, I don't know what people do all day. Right. If you don't lift weights, <laughs> like if you get off work at five and then go home, I sure There's you a, take care of your kids, you clean your house, you yeah. cook your food. You like, with the exception of kids, I mean, I do all that shit too. Right. You know, like, like everyone, everyone does that shit. If you don't have a child right now and you are not going to do some sort of physical activity, whether that's something be to some your, rec league or yeah. just move around, go for a jog, just go to the gym. Something closer to what the original humans were. Yeah. Because just, we're so far removed from it. I don't, I like, now that I have a kid, I have, it feels like I have no time. And before, it felt like I had no time. So, like, it's weird. Now you know what no <laughs> time feels like. Now I literally like. know what it's so like. So speaking to everyone that doesn't have a kid, you have fucking time. And, you lying and motherfucker. it's funny when you think about when you talk to someone without a kid, and they're like, oh, you don't know about this or that. You're like, get out of here, man. I can raise a kid. I just throw him through the net. Kobe! Like, <laughs> you know, like, it, it's... It's, it's, it's a lot. Interesting. It's something, yeah. <laughs> I talked to Mike about it, too. He taught, he has a two-year-old son, um, and which is the same, just about the same age as my niece, a little yeah. bit younger, and about a year older than your son. Yeah. Um, but it's it's crazy to hear him talk about it because it's, I'm, although I don't have kids, having my niece, having living with you guys for a year and with Cade, I'm aware of the struggle of parenthood without, <laughs> without and dating a girl that had a kid, too, right? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm more aware of parenthood than most, you know, it's late 20 year old man with no kids you know and it's just it's amazing to think of like when mike tells me about stuff his kid is doing and i can kind of relate back to like oh yeah i remember being in that situation that really sucked never mind having to maintain professional athleticism on top of that you know what i mean yeah that's the that just speaks to the commitment that pro athletes have that i think we kind of lose sight of yes we kind of the way that it's reported on sports center and stuff we kind of treat athletes like commodities and forget the person behind you know the the paycheck or the jersey yes um but there there are the athletes are out there struggling grinding every day trying to get that work in you know and you're you're sitting back making excuses with no kids i can't go to the gym i can't take 10 minutes a day for mobility work so i don't have to be in pain all the time yeah you're a fucking liar yeah you really are i Where, mean like, i wish we i can put my claim 10 minutes YouTube, so. you can claim 10 minutes yeah right like it's it's that simple Okay, so I guess maybe that would be probably the the three major things I think we had there for that for really... the chance portion of it, yeah. But yeah, that, that I want to jump to another chance. part of this because I think this is a really beautiful definition. I really yes, I put is. a lot of thought into it's this. Great. And can I kind of explain how I came to this definition? Believe it or not, I was listening to Black Thought, which I <laughs> I keep bringing them up. I'm a, I'm in the deep dive <laughs> of, of uh, Streams of Thought, uh, Volume Two. Yeah, I just and I'm got really that. That's like, yeah, yeah. You see my notebook, like I've, I'm writing down lyrics and deciphering. <laughs> and, like, I'm really what's that fucking 
Da Vinci Code. I'm really yeah. Da Vinci Code. You know, <laughs> seeing all the this. symbols float up and like Tom yeah. Hanks choosing all the yeah. right symbols. That's what I'm doing with Black Thought right now. And it's sort of I find that when I get into that state where I explore, you know, deep art in that sense it kind of yep. expands my thinking on everything and that's why I, that's sort of the reason why i said a harmonic balance between yep. i was actually as i'm in this dive i was watching black thought do a uh, uh the npr tiny desk concerts that yep. they do and he had a band behind him playing right and so i sort of came up with this idea of like athlete development is almost like having your own orchestra right and trying to write this great symphony yeah right the more instruments you have in an orchestra, the better it sounds up until a point. Yes. There is such a thing as too many instruments. Yeah. Now, there's certain things that affect how many instruments you can have in the orchestra, yeah. that being the age of the, the musicians, mm -hmm. right? The, the experience of the musicians, yeah. right? And I think it just sort of, it all really tied back into athlete training beautifully. If we were to think of instruments as like exercise selections or, or the energy system we're going after yeah. or, you know, it's the, the idea that less is more with young athletes and then when we get to the pros now let's start to add more instruments into this orchestra gotcha, you yes. know what i mean yes um and so that was just sort of the, the the rabbit hole of thought that i went down feeling like if we had a high school aged orchestra that only had six instruments in it but sounded really really good yeah why add a seventh right and if we have this 14 year old kid that's doing these six exercises but getting better every week getting stronger moving better yeah. you know more confident less pain or, or, or discomfort or whatever. Yeah. Um, if, if it's working with six exercises, why change it? Yeah. You know, and then to go to the other end of the spectrum, if we have this, you know, the best orchestra in the world and we have, I, I don't know, 300 instruments in yeah. the orchestra. Is that a lot? I don't know. Let's say that's the most you could have with <laughs> yeah. this super talented group. 301 is too many. It sounds yeah. clouded, right? So eventually you hit that number where no matter how talented the group is and how experienced they are, there are such things as too many instruments. Yeah. Right, so that's why it's so important when fewer instruments will suffice, use fewer. Yeah. Right, if fewer exercises will suffice, use fewer because there is an end to exercise variability. Yeah, yeah. I know? mean, it would be weird if a rock band had like 13 guitarists and 12 drummers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. you're going to want a drummer, a guitarist, uh, you know, rhythm guitarist, a lead guitarist, bassist, right. and yeah. singer. Yeah, and you only get that. Yeah. Right? So if that's not working, you don't get to add more now. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it's sort of the, the salt. it's sort of the same analogy with like a, if you have a client who wants to lose weight and say they're consuming five thousand calories a day, you don't drop them to eighteen hundred in their first week. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah. when you hit that, that'll work. But when it stops working, where do you go? You can't survive on less calories, right? Yeah. So you would take them from five thousand calories to forty eight hundred to forty six. And gradually, you know, you would only go lower when they stop losing weight. Yeah. Right? Same thing with exercise selection. I would only choose more exercises when the ones we're doing stop working. Gotcha. Yes. You know what I mean? It's sort of my my beautiful masterpiece in my head. I don't know if it makes any sense on paper. That's what I'm trying to, no, to decipher with, uh, with this discussion. Um, but essentially what I want to get into with you um, is, is the... I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> I riffed way too much. I, lost my train of <laughs> I guess, well, I think maybe I'll sign in here because yeah, I, yeah. I have a question for you. Because I feel like not a lot of uh, coaches are taking these steps. 
Um, and as an athlete and as a parent of an athlete, uh, things like that. Future athlete. Or future athlete. I mean, you're, you're an athlete. Man, he could see him. His yoga poses are unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> also, just his size in general. He looks like a fucking mini Khalil Mack. <laughs> but hopefully he just stays like that all the way. He can get paid. He can make money. Look at life. Um, but uh, how do you make sure? How do you check? How do you come up to someone and be like, hey, I'm looking for uh, a, you know, a trainer, a strength coach for my kid. Like, are you the guy? What kind of would you do to figure out if they have the thought process that fits you? And fitting you means fitting all athletes because it makes sense to me when you come up to an athlete and you diagnose this, 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 and you make sure that you're using only so many instruments and you're making sure yeah. that, that you know your rock band doesn't have a symbolist who plays a tiddly bell in the background because it wouldn't yeah, make sense to you hear everything else. You know, yeah. like, so like, how do you, is there something you can do to check the person you're coming and maybe with like a few questions when you sit down with them and be like, Hey, if you're going to train my kid, you're talking for, as like from the perspective of athlete or parent to the coach, parent, to that coach, what's the quick check to be like, um, I always, you know, find if I do this one thing, I get better and they go, no. And you hear a fake, you know, that's an interesting question. And, uh, I don't really know, because I've never gotten past the question of, tell me what you can do for my son or daughter. You know, I think that responsibility lies on the strength coach, or okay. the, you know, the, the trainer, if you want to call them that. Yeah. It's sort of when, like you as the client or customer, you're going to know based on feel. Yeah. Right? There's not, I mean, there's stuff you can ask, like, you want to ask them what type of periodization, are they a linear periodization model or a conjugate periodization, like, what are they, yeah. but, but the average person coming off the street is not going to understand that exactly, shit. Exactly, exactly. So it's my job as the strength coach to take these really complex ideas, break them down into something simplistic, and then explain to you how I'm going to use that within my methods, or how I'm going to use my methods within that, I should say, to develop your son or daughter or you into a better athlete. Yeah. And if that doesn't click with you, then get the fuck out. Got you. You know, and it's not even that that coach is wrong. It could just be that they're wrong for you. Yes. There's been I mean. there's been lots of athletes that have come to my gym that didn't end up signing up, just because it didn't it didn't click. And sometimes it's me saying, you know, this doesn't click right. Like, we're not compatible. Or it's them feeling uncomfortable with me in some way. Maybe they're scared because I'm big and covered in tattoos, or I yeah. don't, you know, I don't necessarily hold my tongue when I talk, or the music is scary. Whatever. Yeah. We've had lots of athletes come in didn't end up training with us that went on to have a lot of success with other coaches, which is fine because yeah. not, I'm not everyone's cup of tea. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but I really think like more to your question, the responsibility of, I think it's the coach's responsibility to explain what they're going to do and how they're going to do it in terms of athletic development for that client. And then it's the customer who based on that answer is going to make that decision. But there's no, I can't think of a question that you would walk in and ask yeah. a strength coach just universally you know, hey, what about this? Yeah. You know, and it's something too when you approach, like, you wouldn't approach a mechanic and tell them, this is what's wrong with my car. It's this, 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 and you need to do this. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes, exactly. Approach a strength coach accordingly, right? Yeah. Like, we're professionals in what we do. Tell us the problem, tell us what you're looking for, and we'll tell you how to get there. But one thing I can't stand is when people come in my gym and tell me how to do my fucking job. Yes, exactly. You know? Like, oh, my kid is super fast and super, yeah, all but, like a little weak, so I, <laughs> I need him to get stronger. So can you do a million squats a day? Like, what? So I had this kid come in. We won't use names. Yeah. I had this kid come in once, and dad is, uh, 
I think he's a hockey player. Doesn't matter. Dad's like, all he needs to do is work on his explosiveness, his jumping. Maybe it was basketball or something. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Dad's like, all he needs to do is work on this. I look at the kid. I start from the feet up because the feet will always tell the story. Feet turned out to the side, knees caved in, kyphotic upper back, just a long, twiggy, pencil, awkward teenage-shaped kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm like, all he needs is to jump higher? No, motherfucker. <laughs> he needs He needs the works. <laughs> this motherfucker needs Jesus. Motherfuckers need Jesus. I'm like, yo, this kid needs the works. Like, a, like <laughs> with, with extra sauce. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't just need to jump higher. He needs to learn how to stand properly. Yeah. You know? He's got to learn how to breathe properly. Never mind. Like, we got to start from square one. Yeah. So don't come into my gym telling me, I know what a fucking athlete needs. Yeah. Tell me what you're looking for. Tell me what you would really like to build on. Absolutely. We'll direct towards that. Yeah. But, motherfucker, I know what you need. <laughs> That's why I read books. Exactly. Like, I feel like you also said something back there that I really wanted to touch on is you're not everyone's cup of tea. No, I, I feel like if you find a trainer that's everyone's cup of tea, odds are... They suck. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You can't please everyone. There's no Listen, way. Think of, think of like, who's, who's your favorite football coach that you ever had? Oh, my favorite football coach of all time was probably Devin Murphy. Devin Murphy. Yeah. But there's probably someone that really fucking hates Devin Murphy. There's a you lot know? of people <laughs> who fucking hate Devin yeah. Murphy. And that's but, what, and those people probably can learn from, and have learned from Devin Murphy, even though they hate him. Oh, 100%. You know what I mean? But there's some people that aren't going to learn from him just because they can't get over the hatred or the, the disdain or the just, yeah. I don't like this about him, you know? Like, people don't like that I swear when I talk. Yeah, uncontrollably, and I don't, I don't give a fuck, you know. But if it's yeah. not for you, it's not for you. Exactly. And if that's gonna stop you from listening to what I have to say, and you're not gonna learn from me, then this shit isn't gonna work out. No, hundred percent. And I think it's really good for as uh, to get to that point as well, because it's kind of the same thing that like Gary V says, and it's a reason why I feel like Devin Murphy and you are so successful. Is like if you're not being yourself, how can you succeed? Because you're not someone else. Yeah. You know, and it's so like the reason why I enjoyed Devin was because he was extremely passionate. He knew his shit and he wouldn't be afraid to tell you exactly how to get there now and, and what to do. Yeah. He opened up my mind as an athlete and as a coach, like as a football coach, I literally went from not understanding what I was doing to now being able to deduce what's wrong with a person's defense by watching 10 plays. Yeah. You know, and that being maybe an athlete is going inside with the show and outside, things like that. And literally just by my eye, and he trained me in one season. If yeah. I would have been with Devin Murphy my whole football career, I would literally be able to dissect anything and everything and understand football way better than I do at the moment. Now, if you do not see the kind of twinkle greatness that he is, because, I mean, he... He got a lot of DBs to the pros yeah. with his kind of, uh, it would be considered unorthodox, but makes sense way of moving mm-hmm. to get to the ball and to stay uh, mobile and to make sure that you're using the most of your speed and strength. Um, like, you you may not see it and you'll go to someone else and maybe you'll have success, of course. Yeah. But, like, if he was everyone's cup of tea, he wouldn't be who he was. And yeah. the same with you. Absolutely, and that's we're like we're getting off topic here. But if we're talking about working in the private sector as a strength coach, or even a football coach, or whatever, yeah. like at the end of the day, the product is you. Yeah. That's what the people are buying. The people yeah. that come to my gym are buying me. 
They want to learn from me. Yep. So if I'm anything but myself, how the fuck is this going to work? <laughs> right? Like, like I got to put on a fucking mask every day to go to work? I can't. I can't do that and yeah. keep this shit afloat. Yes, you know exactly. what I mean? Like, like, I'm the type when shit goes wrong, I'm going to scream fucking punch a wall. You know? Like, that's, <laughs> that's just who I am. And yeah. I can't not... I could not do that for maybe six months, but the shit is going to come out. And yeah, if I've lied to a gym full of people that think I'm fucking Ned Flanders... They're all going to walk. They're all going to leave as, <laughs> as soon as that devil comes up. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay, sweet. Now, so I, I guess that's kind of the one thing I would say is look out for that. Look out for the guy who coached you know, everything and knew everything about strength, speed, this, that, this, 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 and that. And also, he never swears and he oh, never drinks or blue. Like, you know, like, you have to, There, something's got to give. I have such a good quote from this. It's from Bertrand Russell, and I was just watching a debate last night on YouTube because I'm a fucking nerd. That's what I do. <laughs> I watch debates. It was Stephen Fry talking about, uh, he gave me this quote from, from Bertrand Russell. He said, uh, one of the painful things about our time is that those who feel certainty are stupid and those with any uh, imagination or understanding are filled with doubt and indecision. When that is the case, let doubt prevail. Right? So if wow. you're, if it, like we're talking about coach, like you said one, one profound thing, like if someone claims to know everything, then run the fuck away. away. Yeah. Right? Because I, I'm the first to tell you, I don't know shit. <laughs> I, I have, I was actually just messaging um, with our, as it ties into our next announcement here, yeah. um, just messaging someone about that. And uh, just just basically telling them like uh, it's it's sort of gonna force me. I can't do it without telling them the secret. I'm gonna okay. write. I'm gonna write a book. We're gonna tell them the secret. <laughs> I can't. But I can't do that and not have it be me looking in a mirror at my methods. Yeah. You know, this is sort of the point where I'm like, am I full of shit or does this actually work? Yes. Because I've sort of. At first, all I did was read, 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 consume knowledge for yeah. four years. And then it was three or four years of applying knowledge. And now we're at this point where, okay, here's the EATS method. I'm going to write a book about it. Yeah. Is this bullshit or does this really work? Can I back my shit up? Yes. Right? So that's the impasse that I'm at right now. It's an interesting place. But it's sort of, you know, like I'm letting doubt prevail. I don't know. Yeah. I think writing this book is going to make my method so much better because I'm going to improve it so much yes. just by typing it out and organizing it. It's like putting right? that word, putting that those thoughts to words. Yeah. And then seeing and being like, well, maybe, well, maybe, and you kind of maybe take that thing and it becomes something even more beautiful and gives it a moral, more shape and yeah. more. Like if you're making a statue, you're you're you've started and you've done like the rock and then you've chipped away the rock and there's semi of an image here and now I feel like with this with this ebook it's going to be chipping that down even Which more and now, starting to see eyes and hands and fingers like now we're starting to see and you're going to start to see who you really are and yeah. that's going to be a really good thing yeah absolutely and it's going to like I said it's going to force me to take a step back and you know maybe maybe I'm lying to the people <laughs> maybe I'm full of shit but uh I don't. I don't think I am. No. I just want to pull up here. Someone gave me a good quote about it here. Where is it? Oh yeah, it was. A, it's a quote from Dave Tate, and he was talking about uh, their method or his method to, to strength training when he was powerlifting. He said, "Listen, I like the science, but what we did was do what would work, and then figure out why it worked later." Yeah. Right. And so, like I said, that's sort of the phase we're at now. Like what we've done has worked up to this point, or at least I think it has. Yeah. But hey, maybe I'm full of shit. And let's see if I write this. If I write this book and I get to the last page and I'm like, oh fuck, <laughs> I was lying. <laughs> you know? 
I got we'll, myself. We'll see how it goes. You played yourself. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> you played yourself. So I kind of I stole your announcement. I know you had confetti and shit. And I did. Singer and, and, and uh, little poppers and withers. Yeah. And they all laughed. The people, the, oh, band, well. the mariachi band. <laughs> it's tough. Like, Fuck it. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna write a book. And uh, okay, so I guess. Well, now we got to get in the book. <laughs> a book? <laughs> what is this book about? My, so Andrew, my, my social media guy, told me I should write an ebook. Yeah. And he's like, it doesn't have to be crazy. Like, you know, 50, 60 pages, maybe 70. And yeah, I was like, something. oh, dear boy, Andrew. <laughs> you don't know how Brad writes. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, 50, 60 pages. I'm like, I remember 50, in 60 university, pages I did like a, like a five-page paper. Who? That took forever. Yeah, I just... The the difficult thing for me is, like, I'm going to hit 50 pages. Yeah. A chapter, probably. <laughs> the difficult thing for me is taking this fucking insanity that is my mind and trying to organize it in a way that everyone else could understand. Yeah, 100%. Right? Like, we were just joking before we started about our notes and, and how we take notes and... Like, we are not... Neither of us wrote in the line. <laughs> I literally wrote on a 45-degree angle off the margin. At the bottom of the page, I'm literally a centimeter off the margin now. I don't even start at the margin anymore. Yeah, but uh, I, so... I write in fragments. I don't finish words. I don't, uh, I, I don't finish lines. Sometimes I go way too past the lines. Sometimes I... <laughs> It's a fucking nightmare. So I gotta take this shit and organize it into a book somehow. I have maybe write the book in some weird way that every page is like written with like little <laughs> all around the page and like little dot circle spots and have like writing here and an arc and this one over here in the corner and then half the middle of the page is blank and you're like, what am I reading? <laughs> like this is my brain you're reading. <laughs> yeah, this, is, yeah, this is your brain on drugs. This is, this is your brain after five concussions in high school. Right? You know, uh be smart. When you have a concussion, don't go back on the field. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm just going to figure it out. Yeah. Fuck it. That's how I've done everything else in my life. You got to do it live. I just, after we do it, yeah, now I'm on the spot. That's why I wanted to announce it. Because yeah. now people go, hey, where's that book at? Well, yeah. Fuck, I got to do it now. <laughs> so I'm like, it's going to take a minute. Give me a minute. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited for it. It should be cool. We have to introduce me as an author after. Oh. That's going to be cool. That's gonna be, it's going to be cool writer. at first for you, and then it's going to be a really big pain in the ass. Because <laughs> the number of times I'm going to come back with a rebuttal of like, oh, yeah, but do you, have you written a book? Are you <laughs> an author? You're going to be like Brian when he wrote, uh, oh, no, Family Guy, when he wrote the book. <laughs> the Fast and the Speed of Love. <laughs> Fast and the Speed of Love. Or the other <laughs> Or book. Wish It Wanted Do It. <laughs> wish yeah, It Wanted Do It. That's, yeah, yeah. that's the one. It's like, three things and two of them are the same. Pages are blank, so you can do something yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna have a lot of worksheets in my book. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be great. It's gonna be a great book. I'm excited. <laughs> if no. you're, if it's something that the people have asked for for the people. Like I'm a big deal. Some of the people have asked me for for a long time. Yeah. It's just you're gonna have to deal with the fact that I read, comprehend, and write at a third grade level. <laughs> so Sorry, it takes it's gonna some be. Time. It's gonna be thick with spelling mistakes. Yeah. You, well, that's where you get someone to... I'm going to have Ashley proofread it. Yeah, but Ashley. even Ashley can't. <laughs> you know? You, you have to make sure trying that to put she doesn't take any fire the sauce out. She's going to try to put out an apartment fire with a garden hose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a bad speller. <laughs> well, I mean, 
the tough part is to make sure that when editing out the spelling mistakes, like maybe you meant to spell it all wrong. Come on here. Yeah, <laughs> like, like this yeah. old page is supposed to be wrong. Don't, don't change that. Yeah, it's definitely not because I have no concept of I and E and what comes first. It's, <laughs> it's art. It's, you know, hey. Except after C, right? Something like that. Yeah, that's what they say. Okay, um, let's get into the hip hop. The hip hop. I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? We got a theme invited, song in this. Who invited Busy B? Oh, oh my gosh. Okay, so uh, what do you listen to? I'm still, like, like I said earlier, man, I'm on this deep, deep dive of, of uh, streams of thought, too. Okay, and okay. I'm just, I'm blown away by some of the, the lyricism, the ability. I can't believe I slept on Black Thought for so long. Yeah, he's been around for a little bit. <laughs> been around for a minute. <laughs> At least a hot minute. But like some of the some of the shit that he like he has that the one line. I don't know if I wrote it down here yet or not, but he's my cranium is vibranium. My brain is made of uranium and titanium. Or another he's got he had another one where he said uh I get on my jaw when I perform. I grab the bull by the horns. You probably should do it too. I'll body you, Marty Kongs. Which is like, there's... I, oh, man, he's so like, smart. Oh, he's, oh man. I can't use that lyric in on the Instagram because Marty Khan is a, a homophobic slur. I think Puerto Rican or something. Yeah. So I don't want to... And I'm not trying to co-sign that shit, but it sounds dope in that fucking line. It Sorry, it really good does. Good hip hop is good hip hop. <laughs> I mean, LeBron took a took a hit on the chin for talking about uh, what was it, the Jewish money uh, or something like that in the Twenty One Savage lyric. What did he say? I didn't hear anything about that. He literally, it was like it was like a lyric, and like I, the one thing you can can't really do, it seems like it's in the media Jewish area, with money. is like is make like a Jewish like money. Kind of it was like a hypersensitivity to, towards yeah, it. Yeah, you know, and but like especially kind of in the multimedia world, it's like there's a lot of people from Jewish descent who are involved in it. Like it's, there's, you know what I mean? So you can't be making sl- like slurry type yeah. lyrics. And then LeBron, it was, it was a, it was a hot lyric. Like it went well. Did LeBron rap? No, he was just literally bumping to it, and then he just like put it on his like Instagram, like in writing. Oh, oh, but, it's a Twenty One Savage. Yeah, it's a Twenty One Savage. Then both of them apologized for it. Why is Twenty One Savage apologizing? Who is listening to Twenty One Savage that's for a, his I, for his fucking thoughts on Israel? That's what I'm <laughs> thinking. Like, who cares what a dude with a tattoo in the middle of his forehead has to say about the fucking economy and everything to do with that. I feel like you don't get tattoos on your face when you want to get involved in that line of work. Yeah. I'm not, <laughs> like people are like you can't you can't be the prime minister. You have a tattoo on your face. Well I don't think I should be prime minister. <laughs> and I tattooed my face to prevent you people from electing me to be prime minister by fucking accident. You better be safe than sorry, you know what I mean? Okay. Well, I didn't hear anything about that. Yeah. Anyway, what's yeah. your what's your um, about? Mine is what's free Rick Ross, Jay-Z Ooh. on that Meek Mill My wife better. Oh, come on. My oh. route better, of course. <laughs> <laughs> there was so many, like, the Jay-Z going in on uh, Trump. Uh, there was, it was just such he a good... He kind of smacked Kanye, too, a little bit. He did. He gave Kanye like, a tap, needed, like, settle down, little brother. Yeah, you he, know? Needed, he needed a little slap. You know, yeah. I mean, he's already been kind of done with it and stepped away from that side of things. So, uh, you know, hopefully he's getting the help he needs because... Bipolar, but um, you know, it 
is uh, it was a really good song, and uh, I really enjoy Rick Ross and Jay Z on on songs they together. Fucking body. Is. Oh my! What's I wish the they had the... like a mix up with those two, yeah. produced by Kanye. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And Pusha on there too. Oh. Three verses every song is Jay Z, <laughs> Rick, and Pusha. Because because Rick and Pusha make dope songs. Yeah, too. they do. Millions they really is really do. good. Um, um, that other one. The fucking oh, I can't think of the name of it now. There's so many good ones. What was the other one with Jay Z and Rick Ross that we liked? With the priest singing? Yeah. The devil is alive. The devil is alive. The devil is alive. That's my favorite <laughs> rap video of life. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most the interesting <laughs> music video to see. If like, you haven't seen Jay Z and Rick Ross, The Devil Is a Lie, go check it out. It's, It'll be worth it. Oh, so worth it. It is absolutely unbelievable to see you. That kind of, uh, yeah. But I'll leave it to you. Hopefully you're not Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, that's going to be it for today. That was a, uh, that was a bang way to start off the second season. Now we got to live up to like that shit. We're going to have more questions coming about this one for sure. Um, don't be afraid to hit up Brad on uh, Instagram. We're Once again, yeah. we're going to have it all in the channel and everything like that. If At you want to say it out loud. SG. Come see me. SG. Ask Check questions. I answer questions. Yep. This episode was kind of scatterbrained. I'm sort of in the like we talked about. I'm making. I want to do the book and stuff, so I'm just piling ideas onto pages. Yeah. And we just kind of came in and freestyled this one, so yep. a little choppy. But I appreciate you if you stuck around with us through it. I think there's some gems in here, so there's some money in here. A little yeah. bit. A little I think, bit. I think it's a good one. Okay. Appreciate y'all, man. We'll catch you next time. Take it easy. This is brought to you by Head to Head Productions. We want to thank you guys for listening. You're the only reason we exist, so keep on liking and sharing.